This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to another edition of your favorite podcast, Insane in the Membrane. Here we are, another week, another edition. I tell you what, I am still loving doing these, and I am still loving the fact that you love us doing them. It's it's I, it's the highlight of my week recording these. I really enjoy it. The guests are always brilliant. You guys are brilliant for listening. Thank you for all the messages and all the back and forth that we have online. I absolutely love it. It's fucking brilliant. So thank you for that. Um, yeah, it's been all right. We 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 are we we things are falling back into place slowly but surely. Gigs are happening. I've had a, my first few gigs, then they've gone well. Well, the first one, I say that, the first one, I actually, uh, I think I talk about it on this episode where I hadn't done my material in months and I forgot most of it and had to kind of wing it. But luckily, they're a very appreciative audience and they helped me get through it. And it was always fun. So thank you to everyone at the Temple Cafe for my first gig back. You were ace. And if you find yourself down that way, down near Chalkwell Park, get yourselves in there it's a wonderful little place it's lovely um and it's elvira is it elvira i think her name is i might be wrong and i'm sorry if that is the case but elvira that owns the calf she's excellent temple calf in talkwell so before we get into this episode i'd like to tell you also that we've got uh, another edition of insane in the fembrane is coming out simultaneously with this one and this week i was joined by uh stanley st james uh trans woman uh, that I've I've met a couple of times, but I'd ne- like, I'd never really spoken to someone about what it what it feels like to be trans and what you go through. I, I and so it was it was the perfect opportunity to find out, and so we had a really good chat. Uh, there's a link and things to do with that episode on this, uh, so you can click on that. That'll take you to Fembrain, and I'm going to tell you now, it's a brilliant chat. Jan- Danny is excellent. She's really good. She's re- she was great to chat to. I really learned a lot. It was very it was in lightning and inspiring it's fantastic so click on the link that'll take you to fembrane so that's coming out exactly the same time as this one Um, my guest this week on uh, insane in the membrane is broadcasting legend mr jeff lloyd and it was very surreal for me because i've been a fan of jeff's for many years i used to have his show on when i should drive the gigs at drive time Um, and so to actually actually having met him and actually you know, have him have him on the show. It's quite surreal hearing his voice, like having a conversation with him that wasn't him doing his show. It was excellent, you know, and it was really nice chatting to him. We're of a similar age, so we talked about very similar things, us growing up very, you know, I mean, he's from sort of Manchester way, I'm from the South, but it was interesting to hear that we had very similar backgrounds, you know, so uh, it was nice. It was nice. He's a lovely bloke and I'm looking forward to having a coffee with him when we can. So, uh, but you know what? I'm waffling again. 
Let's get into it. In just a moment, Jeff Lloyd. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. We're looking for a sponsor to help get this brilliant conversation to an even bigger audience. Sponsoring the show, as well as a promotional trailer, means that your message and our message will be inserted into some of Acast's biggest podcast titles. Get on board and partner with Insane in the Membrane. Go to pauldaniels.tv for more information. It's lovely to have you on, Jeff. It's nice to, uh, nice to hear your voice. And you, mate. It's been ages. Yeah, I know. It was when... Um... Sarah did uh, a musical, wasn't it? I think I bumped that's it, into you yeah. very, very briefly. We passed. That's it. Yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah, yeah. Are you still because you you were doing the podcast with Ed? Is that still going on? Yeah, 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 yeah. We've been doing it remotely through all this. How are you finding that? It was a bit sketchy with us to start with, but I've got producer Paul to sort all that shit out. So yeah, it's right. it's surprisingly. Um, so, so Mike, because I'm sitting here in essence in a home studio, my bit is always fine. It's Ed is fucking useless though with <laughs> technology i just sent him last week i sent him this um pair of good headphones because basically he was forgetting to put plug in his iphone headphones and every guest they were on speakerphone and it was making it a nightmare for emma oh, who yeah. edits and produces oh, it. yeah so i sent him these headphones and i didn't let him know they were coming in he rang me up last thursday night he went I am so touched. A beautiful pair of headphones just arrived for me. That's so kind. And he thought they were just a present. And um, I, had to, I had to explain they'd sort of come out of the podcast money and that he was driving everybody insane. But I really wanted to take credit for being a thoughtful person who buys nice presents. <laughs> Only I'm not. I know. It's Speaking of uh, technical on. incidents, hello, Rich. Hello, Paul. Oh, oh, I really, know. You really. don't want to fess up, do you, Rich? You, 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 had, haven't, um, you haven't got an anecdote to tell him, Rich, oh, by any chance. Oh, here he is. I, uh, we had Rob Rouse on the other day, and Rob oh, Rouse's, yeah, yeah. Rob Rouse's uh, internet connection is pretty bad. So he, just in case, he recorded his end, and I was supposed to record mine. And as we got into it, my Zoom thing said it needed to do batteries. So I quickly grabbed a load of batteries and shoved them in. It turns out they were duds as well, and I only got 10 minutes in of recording uh, my side. Uh, Oh, I mean, we've had all kinds of 
Oh. We had Lauren Laverne on once, and I forgot to record her mic. You oh know, no, <laughs> which wasn't good. So then our producer had to like grab the bits of her that had bled into our mics when we weren't speaking and try and salvage it out of that. It's oh not... God. Well, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I I even toyed with the idea of maybe listening to it and then just responding as if I was listening, as if it was still, if it was a live thing. Right, right, right. I don't know. I just don't because he really thought about it. He really put the effort in. Yeah, and he, re- he really went to town, and then and then that happened. And I've just I, I know he's you know you know Rob he's a decent dude. So yeah, I imagine, yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine if I tell him he'll be fine and up for it again. But you yeah. know, it's quite. He got not really personal, but personal enough that you know you might not want to rake over it again. I don't know. I'll Relive speak. It, to, yeah. I'll speak to him. Sometimes this these is... things are better second time. I mean. Well, that's it. Yeah, maybe, maybe a, a, a little bit of a run up, and he'll. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. But that's the thing with this. Sometimes, it's like I say this every time. There's no big introduction. We yeah. just this is just us. We just get on with it like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and it goes wherever you want to go. It, it can be as personal as you like. Uh, like mental health is sort of the jumping off point. It's just people telling their people chatting and telling their stories, and from that, people take from it what they will. It's yeah. more about people saying, you know, you'll talk about maybe something that's happened to you and how you dealt with it. And then someone listening will go, oh, it happened to me. And it's just, yeah, yeah, gives yeah. them a comfort that it's not just them that it's happened to. So, yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I warn you, I always think I'm a terrible guest on other people's podcasts. <laughs> you know, I'm so much more comfortable asking questions than I am. Of course. Answering yeah, yeah. Them, really. Like I've done a few, <laughs> like I did um, Scroobius Pips a few years ago. Lovely. I did that two shot podcast. Oh, nice. about a year ago and, and with both of those you know because they are chats i mean yours is its own thing but the, you know there's a, mm. there's a similarity in that the chats where you kind of get into it and yeah. for days afterwards i'm like oh fucking hell like <laughs> oh, I, I just like end up treating these things like they're a therapy a therapy session i yeah. don't you know think about whether this is an interesting story whether there's any arc to it whether i'm making it funny i just sort of end up blurting out all these non sequiturs i think i'm an awful guest on other people's podcasts well this sounds like it's perfect for this one you can because <laughs> sometimes I'll, I'll start talking and i'm like where am i where am i going with this yeah 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 you know so it's you know i've because i've only been doing this uh, a year and a half now and uh, whereas you've been doing it? how long were you have you been in broadcasting for you've been a long time yeah so i, I think my first paid radio show was 1991 so that's um you know nearly 30 years yeah. isn't it and before that you know when i was a kid at school i would go into my local radio station piccadilly radio and do anything i could to get on the air i think when i was 14 i used to go on the air there doing film reviews which right. was great because one of my first ever dates um was i asked a girl who worked in the local mcdonald's to come with me while i reviewed a film <laughs> at the odeon in manchester you know so the free tickets were really impressive oh to yeah her. yeah yeah at the time it didn't work out well it was sort of unrequited and i used to go and sit in the mcdonald's this is, doesn't paint me in a, a good light i'm well aware but i used to go and sit in the mcdonald's in macclesfield while she was on her shift and you know i was poor so because i was a child yeah. um so I'd, I'd get the cheapest thing on the menu which was a carton of milk which <laughs> i think was 30p and i would sit there like nursing this carton of milk and sort of wistfully watching her mop up around me and get like snatches of conversation from her here and there when i could <laughs> she broke my heart in the end though rich oh mate i'm sorry i've I, I had similar stories i remember uh, it was a girl i really liked it was my friend's sister and she said yes we'll go out but my friends are going to be there. 
So then my friends, uh, her brother and my friends came with us and we ended up, I didn't speak to her and all night. I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to speak to her. And we just followed, there was their group and our group. We just followed each other around the park, just mm. walking. And we weren't, we didn't talk to each other at all. It was There's awful. a lot of following, isn't there? There's like two, <laughs> two sort of young teenagers. It's like a lot of walking past people's houses and following, which does sound upsetting and stalky by today's standards yeah. but that's that's what like me i used to have eddie from next door was my best mate and then uh we had this friend called nick whose nickname was womble because it sounded like <laughs> one ball and he'd been into hospital and of course the rumor then went around school that he'd gone into hospital to have one of his balls removed which i don't think there was any truth to it but from that <laughs> moment on he was called womble and all we would do every night and it feels like it was years but maybe it was just like one summer or whatever we'd just walk around the streets and we'd plot a route going past the houses of girls we fancied. <laughs> and, you know, hope hope that maybe they'd be looking... Like, none of us would be brave enough to go and knock on the door or go to a phone box and, and say, oh, is Rachel there? Will she come to... we just sort of walk past and just to hope that we'd catch a glimpse of them, um, yeah. which, we, which we never did. <laughs> there was loads of that. I remember yeah. there was a girl, my, the first girl I ever kissed, Claire Sanders, at the school disco, I was 12... And then I was just, I just, I just want, I just wanted to see her all the time, and I didn't understand the feelings. I just, yeah, really liked her. And then a little, while, a little while after, she said, "No, you're ugly. You can piss off." Uh, but I still liked her, and I used to walk a certain way home from school just in case I saw yeah. her. And every time I saw her, she'd just take the piss out of the way I walked. Or, That's so well, brutal. Yeah, you're ugly, yeah. so you can piss off. I had, the the girl I had the big crush on was Rachel Leonard. And she once said to me, I would go out with you, but all my friends would laugh at me. Oh, <laughs> just, just oh. so brutal. <laughs> and this is why later on, I think we, we were all like, our self esteem is in the gutter. Yeah. These, you don't realise, yeah. but later on, uh, but I even, I should pretend that I'd been record shopping so i looked cool i had records under my under my arm and just in case i saw her I'm like, oh hey yeah i just been out just been out doing this <laughs> total knobby things really stupid but you, you know. still walked like a twat though right i still did i had this swagger and they used to take the piss i didn't even know i was doing it i used to yeah. just like it wasn't even a cool one it wasn't even like a monkey one like liam gallagher it was like a i don't know i used to just my, they i used to just sway from side to side i don't know <laughs> What Absolute year were you born? Dick. I was I was born in seventy two. Right, so we're about the same age. I'm seventy three. Yeah. yeah. So where, so where was that walk coming from then? I have no idea. I th I think I thought it was cool. Mm. This kind of strutting, swaggering, rubbish. I don't know. I, that's yeah. the thing. I remember, I remember talking to uh, Andrew Maxwell and a few years ago, and we were talking about being cool, and he said, "Well, you're, you know, really he goes, you're forty percent less cool than you than you think you are." You know, is this a rule I'm for like, anyone? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, with anyone, right. like, you might think, you, yeah, you think you're having a good day, and then you're like, yeah, take about forty percent off that. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've never ever felt cool um, in in my life. That's never been my assumption. It's, it's like you know, um, I, I feel in some way my wife has made a fundamental compromise by being with me, and I really, <laughs> I really think she loves me, and I, th I think you know we enjoy each other's company we, we talk to each other you know constantly i never tire of having conversations with her but i don't think that anybody would look at me and go oh yeah he's the one 
Like, he's the type. I oh, think, mate. No, but they wouldn't. I mean, just think about it. Like, if there's a load of blokes in a, in a magazine, um, nobody's looking at the magazine and go, oh, I, I want one that looks like that. It's, that's, that's, that's not what I offer in life. So on some level, she's made a, a compromise by being with me. <laughs> I get now, I get, I'd love you, to, I would love it if you were my dad. That's right. that's where I am at now. You'd be, a, oh, I wish you were like, I wish you were my dad. You know that it's not. People feel comfortable in my presence. I'm not a threat in any way, shape, or form. They they just not that I ever was, but that kind yeah, of yeah. there isn't. I'm not kind of. I'm not going to try it on. You it's know, nice, isn't it? Because I, I, you yeah. know, I, I've sometimes worried. You know, if I go into a cafe uh, and I'm, I'm needy for other people's approval. So, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm an uncomfortable social presence, but I, I go out of my way to be friendly. Yeah. And then I can get into, oh, God, what if what if they think I'm flirting with them? I remember years and years ago, I used to get, when I was doing a late night radio show, I used to go to this cafe from about, I don't know, seven till nine in the evening and just scribble notes. And I always thought I looked insane because I'd have a piece of paper and I'd write things to talk about at the top of the mm. paper. And I thought, like, if you didn't know what I did for a living, that looks like a crazy person writing <laughs> things to talk about anyway um there was i went in there so often there was one time one of the waitresses gave me a free cup of tea oh yeah <laughs> um and and i felt so, so overwhelmed by it i said oh i'll have to i'll have to get you a drink sometime and the, as it came out of my mouth i thought oh no it looks like i'm asked say asking her for a drink that's not what i meant it's just i'm so uncomfortable with somebody being kind yeah. to me and giving me something and you know so i didn't, could never go back in there again but there was a reason i mentioned that anyway i, I now feel yeah. that i am of, of an age and a, a type of presence where nobody would ever think I was flirting with them. I think I'm a completely benign sexual <laughs> presence and I don't need to worry about that anymore. Exactly. I'm the same. It's just, yeah, I don't need to. I don't, I don't require it. People don't, yeah. don't require it from me. It's just, yeah. it's actually nice being, not having that anymore. It's Being really neutered. Nice it is, it yeah. is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 being, being eunuchs is, is in essence. People see us as eunuchs. Yeah, exactly. But it's a yeah. nice place to be. I, I know friends that are—they're not in relationships and they're forever chasing something. Mm. And you're just like—I just look at them like this—it seems exhausting. I don't. Yeah, no matter how miserable your relationship is, just just stick with it. Yeah, in that rut, you don't want to be out there. Do you? <laughs> Keep looking at all the little bits that yeah. do work. Cling on. <laughs> Like in a shipwreck. Where did you Where did you meet Sarah? So I met Sarah. I was doing uh, my old radio show from New York for a week, and my co-host Annabelle was a fan of the Moth, which I hadn't heard of at the time, and I'm extremely familiar with now. Mm. It's It's a storytelling organization in America, and it's true stories told live. That's that's you okay. know their their essence. That's their slogan, and. Um, at one end of the spectrum, like the, the grand end of the spectrum, they'll hire enormous venues and you'll have people like Neil Gaiman or whoever telling oh, wow. st true stories. And then at the other end, they do these things called story slams, which is not far from an op open mic night uh, in that people just turn up. There's a theme, so say it's revenge. Um, people turn up, they put their names in the hat, and if you get drawn out, you go on stage and you've got five minutes to tell your story. Once you've finished it, you get judged 
by uh, uh, panels of judges in the audience, you know, just made up of audience members. And then there's a winner and then they go through to the Grand Slam and then they can end up on these main stages, as they're called, with these sort of famous people. Yeah. Anyway, so... Um, they also record it. It's a it's a huge radio show on National Public Radio in the States. It's also a massive podcast worldwide. And Annabelle, my co-host, was a big fan of that radio show, so wanted to go and see one of the live events, which we did at the Bitter End in right. um, in in New York, in Manhattan. Uh, it's a very famous club, like Woody Allen played there, as oh, I wow. think, in his early days as a stand-up, but also, you know, lots of musicians have played there, I think, Dylan, Woody Guthrie, these types. Bloody hell. But, and they do these moth story nights. And it was um, the, the last Monday, I think, in January, it was freezing, like 10 degrees minus outside. And there's this huge queue of hipsters, like, waiting <laughs> to get in. So you can tell, oh, this is a bit of a scene. Yeah. So anyway, we go in, and Sarah was the host of the night before she was a comedian. She was a comic because my wife uh, well, just right. explain my wife is a comedian um yes. she she's a she was sort of a comic essayist she she'd had a, a book out and she was working on the second book and all of this had come about because she was involved in these nights where you go on stage and tell true stories and she was the host of the one in new york and just remember watching her and thinking she was brilliant anyway yeah. we we're doing this week of shows from new york we had a guest drop out and i said oh we should ask her on so she she came on a couple of days later, so I'm very lucky in that my wow. first conversation with her was was on the air. You know, it's it's on yeah, tape somewhere. Yeah, yeah, nice and safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's an actual reason for her to be in the room with you, and not. Mm, mm, yeah, mm. that's excellent. I like yeah. that. I like that. And then and now look at you, married, kids. Yeah. No looking a lot back of compromises now. Compromises made. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, this is what is surreal for me is listening to your voice now. As we're talking, because I was, I've been a fan of yours for a long time. Yeah, I used to listen, you. Yeah, the, you had the, the drive time show was on. Yeah, yeah. Whenever I'd be going to gigs and things like that. And I and I remember the one, there was one where I think when you weren't going to be doing it anymore and that you were talking about it's going to be me or you were explaining you were going to be doing another show. And I remember that it was a real, it sounded, there was a sadness in your voice. And I don't know if that was just, well, you probably don't remember, but... I don't was, know. Like yeah. I moved around a lot over the years, so yeah. this this was Virgin Radio, which then became Absolute Radio. So when I started there, I was on an evening show. It was me and a guy called Pete. We're in a double act, Pete and Pete and Jeff. Oh, yeah. Then we sort of did Drive Time. Then we moved to a breakfast show. And then when that finished, you know, I didn't want to do the double act anymore. And mm. I'd always loved late night radio, so I moved to the Monday to Thursday, ten o'clock at night, which was to this day my favourite thing I've ever done on radio. I just loved being on at that time of night. Yeah. Then. Annabelle and myself moved to the drive time That's show it. Yeah. after that. But, you know, we bounced around all over the place. And, um, you know, I, I just I just stayed there a little bit too long. Right. I, think. I was there 18 years in oh, total. Wow. And, and at 15, I was ready to go. Yeah. And, and <laughs> this is the, the least glamorous re reason for sticking in a job. But I'd had a bunch of building work done. Thought, well, <laughs> if I can just stick it out another three years, it'll recoup what I've spent on the building work. So which is no reason to do anything. I think you should just do something, you know, if you're in, in the position to do something because you're enjoying it and because it's something you'd listen to. And, and I sort of broke my own rule and ended up staying a bit longer than I'd wanted to. Yeah. So you know, when, when I was ready to go, I, I was, I was ready to go. I was in a position where really, I was really lucky in that I, w I was doing this job where I could kind of do 
whatever I wanted to. Like mm. it, it ended up like the last couple of years of the show were a combination of sort of dicking around like we'd always done and then talking to astrophysicists and neuroscientists <laughs> and stuff, which really has no place on commercial radio. But I was just sort of allowed to do what I wanted to. But even so, it's, it's like just scratching at the door a little bit. I was ready to do ah, something else. Yeah. That's all right. So it wasn't sad. It was a relief for the sound. No, of but it, it, but it was go, sad yeah. in that, you know, um, saying it out loud because I, I i'd known you know like i say I'd, I'd known for three years that i was ready to go and i'd known that i was going and then and, and behind the scenes it was known for a long time before that mm. um but that that being said it still felt sad and then you know what it's like with radio shows and podcasts you'll you'll have it with this podcast the people who like it really like it and they'll they'll get in touch with you and they'll say oh god you know you said this once and mm. i was going through this in my life you know it can be very moving so when when you make an announcement like that and you see the reaction it can it can be a bit emotional which it was yeah well that's what that's probably what i was picking up on it was really it was a, i remember driving i can't remember where I, don't remember where I was driving to and i was like oh because like like you say you build up a sort of a relationship with those people like they just you can become comfortable with it you know you go to a gig and then you hear those voices and you know like, yeah we're doing this again you know you yeah there's a on a level you feel like you know this person yeah and i think for you know probably for 70% of the audience of most music radio shows especially commercial radio shows it's just a noise that's on in the background right you're not yeah. really paying attention to it. and i don't think most of the people you know it had a lot of listeners that show and i think for most of the people i was just like the interruption between a Coldplay record and the stereophonics record but <laughs> you know but they were willing to put up with it but for for the chunk of people who really liked it um there, there was a connection there and we would podcast the show every day and we'd always do those extra bits and for the people who really liked it um when i said it was finishing i was really overwhelmed people who had remembered their first day at school yeah. and then were having kids of their own or oh, whatever wow. to, yeah. and and you know i'm i'm too i'm a bit pathetic i'm too easily moved really i, I can you, you i'm sure you'll have me in tears on this <laughs> podcast so to get a lot of messages like that and it was a lot at the time it can be really uh overwhelming and, and lovely it is nice, isn't it, when people yeah. people do people because I do this and then sometimes I'm like, oh, you know, you get you have a moment you go, does anyone give a fuck about this? And then yeah. I'll get a message from someone and they'll say, mate, you said this thing and it really resonated and I've been going through similar and blah 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 and I'm like, oh shit, yeah, yeah this does it does help people. You know, I had this day because I mean I think I was always like part part of my thing on the radio is like whatever's going on with me, I'll try and be as honest as yeah. possible as long as I can try and make it funny or entertaining or interesting or, or, or whatever as long as there's some value to it i'll try and talk about it on the air but i i didn't really not not for any reason but i didn't really talk about mental health stuff in uh, it be, probably because i thought oh, i don't make this funny or does it sound mm. indulgent or does it and then the day robin williams died oh yeah i started talking about it and what what i was specifically talking about was this idea that oh but he was a genius and the cost of genius is to be tortured and tormented like that and it really upset me that mental health was presented in that way because yeah. it's a, a, a sort of stupid glamorization of it and it's something that affects you know a, a genius and somebody just getting on with their life in you know any old circumstance the same and i i ended up just 
talking and I don't know how long I talked for but it, it was a it was a long time in terms of if you think about what the bits that go between records yes. are maybe it was like 15 or 20 minutes or, or something and wow. it was this real outpouring and it was more raw than I was accustomed to being on the radio because even though I thought oh well I'll always share my life I, you know you're in control of it a bit yeah. as well and I got to the end of what I was saying and I hadn't made like throughout it I hadn't really made eye contact with Annabelle my co-host or Gareth who was the producer at the time and I turned the microphones off and I couldn't look at them you know I thought I've just oh, really wow. embarrassed myself by being overly earnest here like earn yeah. earnestness <laughs> isn't something that sits well with me and then the messages started coming in yeah right um and people were really touched by it what yeah, said. And, yeah and and it wasn't oh you know you've you've articulated this brilliantly what it what it wasn't that i'd said anything special or said anything particularly well it was more that what it then did was gave people permission i suppose to t tell me about their lives and i didn't then treat that okay i'm going to spend the rest of the show reading out people's stories but i, I then came home and I think spent a day or a day and a half replying to these messages and it was oh, wow. you know a lot of people telling me about suicide attempts you know how close mm. they had got to taking their own life and how a little thing be it you know a, a thing that we'd done on the radio or a song had played on the radio or something had just just changed it for yeah. them and I, you know I was in bits I was in absolute oh, bits I was just sort of sitting sobbing for for a day um but you know given given that what i said before i just assume that most of the people hear what you do on the radio is blah it's just noise in the <laughs> background um, yeah it was it's amazing that it cut through to people in well, that it was, way it was, it was genuinely, yeah. genuinely amazing it's so unexpected as well like, like you yeah. say your your bits there's a bit of banter in between the songs yeah and then onto the songs and then and but you actually took a moment to actually go do you know what I, not you know subconsciously you just went i just want to talk about this for a minute and yeah and those moments yeah. are really they're, they're really special it's, especially if it's not your shtick so yeah. if your shtick is really to to go on the air every day and sort of talk in an earnest or emotive or impassioned way about what's going on in the world people expect it from you but mm. um i think you know if, if most of the time you are just you know being daft or inane or whatever yeah <laughs> but you're so you're an emotional person then you're you admit that it's oh it's pathetic yeah. though um this this came up I wonder if I can find the email. Let me just see if I yeah. can find this. This came up on the podcast I do with Ed Miliband the other week. Um, he was talking about he'd been to his son's graduation. And when I say his son's graduation, his son graduating at the age of 11 from primary school. Yeah, well, oh, yeah, they do yeah. that now, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was saying when it had been my son's graduation from the baby unit of nursery up into the preschool unit of nursery yeah. they, they invited us in and they had tea and cake and they made a little speech and i was crying so much that it, <laughs> it wasn't like oh look at that you know look at that beautiful dad who's in touch with emotion his emotions isn't isn't that a nice thing to say i think i embarrassed my wife and i made everybody feel <laughs> uncomfortable because it was that kind of sobbing like <laughs> oh, wow. anyway so oh, i sort of described it as pathetic and somebody wrote into reasons to be cheerful and 
they they said um they um they quoted uh, in this week's podcast ed says to jeff uh, you're a man who shows his emotions which is really good and then jeff interrupts to say i show them too much though it's a bit pathetic and i'm happy to say that ed replies i don't think it is that's been unnecessarily self-deprecating and then she says why don't you do an episode about the pressure you feel about describing your emotions as pathetic and i'm genuinely not that person there is nothing stoic or traditionally macho about me at all no. i'm really fine showing my emotions but there there is a point at which it's too much and it makes everybody uncomfortable. Um, and my <laughs> wife is the same. Our our wedding, she when she came down the aisle, it was a small wedding, we only had 30, 35 people. And she came down the aisle with her dad and she was crying in such a way, it was like she was being held hostage and there was some kind of arranged <laughs> marriage thing going on. And it, again, it was one of these things where she's coming down the aisle like, <gasps> like <gasps> that kind of crying. And um, I, th I think some people were laughing because it wasn't moving. It, it, was, it was too much. Ridiculous. <laughs> um, and she's American, as we've established. Mm. And... Um, you know, so so the speeches were a bit more earnest, I guess. They were funny. I mean, she was so funny in her speech, and her dad was brilliant, and and so on. But but there was a bit more earnestness and and tears, and and you know, the Americans and the Brits were were in tears. It was sort of one, not a dry eye eye in the house, jobby. And I think the British people who were at our wedding resent me to this day for putting them in a situation where they showed emotion so publicly. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't good. <laughs> I'm the same though. I, I don't, yeah, I've never been, I wasn't, society around me kind of said, oh yeah, man up, men don't cry, that sort of thing. But yeah. I always, I, I always, I did feel, I, I cry all the time. I yeah. cry, I do cry a lot. And I always felt stupid doing it. And it's only been in the last few years that everyone's going, no, no, it's fine. You're completely fine to cry whenever. And I do. I cried at Phantom of the Opera. I, I yeah. blubbed my eyes out when we went to see that. And yeah, and just, I cry at films. I cried when I went to see Jojo Rabbit. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Mean, these, these are very moving things. Uh, I mean, th there isn't much that I won't cry up. I mean, I wish I'd, Sarah was going out to get her nails done, otherwise I'd sort of get to come upstairs and start listing things I've <laughs> cried at because it's it's like I, I cried at um, you know, anything with a montage. I cried when Lance and Martin left Home and Away, um, <laughs> the montage when Gabby Roslin left The Big Breakfast. I mean, just, just any kind of montage will do for me. Yeah. Most adverts, anything of, of people. I'll t tell you the one that always gets me, people rallying round in a TV show or a film. If, if people rally round at your hour of need that that really sets me off <laughs> uh, I, anybody I, yeah. paying me a compliment i i can't handle it it's it's, very, <laughs> it's, it's all very difficult for me i'm the, I'm the same if someone says to some someone's he said something nice to me yeah. i immediately come back with six things for them and i can't help myself yeah i, I yeah. just going yeah. oh thank you that's very kind i'm like oh well but you're great at rock climbing and you're really yeah, good at this and I, i'm like fucking hell i know it almost feels like there's something big-headed and accepted the com accepting the compliment yeah 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 yeah. and it and like i say i was the world around me was telling me to be more to be a man mm. and it was a way of being a man but my dad wasn't really like that i mean yeah he did sometimes he'd say i'll oh, pull yourself together you know yeah. but not he wasn't See, really my, you know like that my dad is like that. To, to, oh, really? To, to this, so my brother is much more like my dad, and I don't think I've ever seen my brother cry in adulthood, and I would be very surprised if it, if he did. 
Um, (laughs) My dad is that guy, you know, all these people saying it's so difficult with um, social distancing and and lockdown because I just want to be able to hug my parents. My dad is horrified if I ever tried to mug, uh, hug him. He'd be, he'd be happier if I tried to mug him, in fact. Yeah. It's like, if, if I tried to hug him, he will go, bugger off, what are you, bloody queer? Which is not just homophobic, but it's, it's, it has a very it's strange grasp. Like, no, Dad, I'm not, as it happens, and nor have I been secretly harbouring this crush on you throughout my life, which I am now ready Imagine that. <laughs> to reveal in the form of a hug. <laughs> my dad is getting better at it in fact he he will push himself towards me knowing that i'm gonna hug him so right right you know he, he he's there now whereas before it used to be arms down by his side yeah. he kind of he, there's a laugh now when you know when i turn up i'm like all right dad and he knows it's coming and he's like all right <laughs> and then what here was, we go what, was the, what changed with him um i think he just i don't really know i don't really know I think I've just worn him down. <laughs> like, just keep telling him that I love him and things like that. Because this, this is a bit bleak, but um, I was talking to my sister recently, and she, she lives close to my mum and dad. And, you know, my, da- my dad is gruff. If I go up there, he'll come and say, you're all right. I'll say, yeah, not bad, dad. And then he'll go up into his box room and he plays correspondence chess on the computer and he doesn't really come out, even though I don't see them that often. He mm. just goes, he's, he's like really antisocial. He's got a lot worse as he's, no, he's really. got older. And that's his reputation in our family as this curmudgeon. Anyway, I was talking to my sister and she said that he's been a lot nicer during lockdown like oh, if wow. she you know she, she'll go and sit at the end of their garden and he'll come out and talk to her which is unheard of yeah. and she says it's because he's worried he's gonna die you know because of covid and something about that is making him a lot nicer well that's the deal i think there's something in that my dad keeps giving me stuff right. every time i see him i like we when when i was a teenager the way that he and i spent time together was going to see bands he'd always get tickets to see bands That's and so good. yeah so my dad i was talking to my mate marcus so they're about this and he's like at least your dad introduced you to punk you know my dad introduced me to the to, to the new testament <laughs> you know and it and it and i'm like oh shit yeah that is really cool and he yeah every every gig we went to dad bought a t-shirt and he never wore them he just bought a t-shirt and so i went around there a few weeks ago and he said do you want those t-shirts and I'm like, yeah, go on. He's given me three holdalls full of old oh, gig teachers. Yeah, that's yeah. brilliant. And I just, I was like, he goes, well, you can sell them. We do what you want. And I'm like, I'm going to sell these. These are incredible, Dad. Yeah. And, and then I was, I was thinking about, it, I'm like, yeah, it's, it feels like he's giving his stuff away, getting ready because he's yeah. 73. He's like, oh, yeah, it yeah. really made me. It made me. I started crying in the car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would get. I went to see them about a year ago. And um, I got there and my mum said, oh, I've been having a a sort out and I found um, a poem your dad had written me on the day your sister was born. It was beautiful. I'm thinking, this is not this is not the man I know. Even, you know, I I was six when my sister was born and the idea that my dad, who is, is that sort of stereotypical, gruff, working class northern 
man. Yeah. Like wrote my mum a poem. Wow. When throughout my childhood, all I sort of knew was him sort of taking the piss out of an eye rolling uh, at stuff my mum says. There's an affection there, but it's very much, you yeah. know, shared through that. That's the way he shows his affection by being sarcastic and hostile. <laughs> but, but, um, but the idea that he would have written a poem, it was, was mind blowing to me. I thought, well, isn't that, isn't that beautiful? So I said, oh, can I read it? She said, oh, I threw it away. What? <laughs> no, no. It's unbelievable, isn't it? That oh, she sat on this thing for forty years, and, and then she said, "Oh, that's nice." Your dad read the straight in the bin with it. Unbelievable. <laughs> oh God. Well, I know yeah. there's. A, I know there is a sensitive side to my dad because I've, I've said this before on here. There was always there was just we had shelves of literature. There was books everywhere, and you know, and I and I I didn't necessarily read them, but I I knew the names, and so there'd be poetry, there'd be art. So I knew it was in it. I knew it was in him. But so where did that yeah. where did that come from in him? Was that your granddad? Was that part of that? You know, the family he grew up in. It was his mum. His mum was awful. She right. was a horrendous human being, made of granite. Dad said, "Yeah, just right, right, yeah." Right. She was horrible, nasty woman. Even when when she passed away, they weren't they hadn't spoken in ages. It was my cousin in Australia messaged me and said, "How's your dad?" And I don't know what do you mean. And he went, "Oh, Nan's passed away." I'm like, oh shit! So I rang him up. I rang, I rang him, and Mum answered. And I'm like, oh, Mum, is 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 Dad there? And so I spoke to him, and I'm like, Dad, I'm really sorry, but Nan's passed away. Do you know this? And he's like, Oh, I had nerd. And he leaned over to me, Mum, and he went, Oh, my Nan's, my Mum's gone. And I went, Oh, okay. And he went, All right, thanks for that. I'll see you later. I'm like, All right, Dad. Bye. <laughs> Just no, no, yeah, it's so weird, isn't it? Like I, I tried when my, my my grandma died. You know, they my my grandma was uh, I think drove him nuts mm. in these ways because she was she was funny, but she was hard work. Um, and I, you know, she died at age eighty, and I, I, I heard my mum. I said, "Oh, should I speak to my dad?" I went, "How are you doing, dad?" He went, "Yep, fine, fine." I went, "No, but how, how are you doing? You know, yeah. how are you doing? It's okay. You, you must must be fine." No, no, fine. Put you back onto your mother. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, there's no getting into it with them. <laughs> they just won't have it, will they? They just no. They no. just. I mean, now he, he does. He has opened up, and he does say he's like, you know, he, she put my my granddad through absolute hell. Right. And, you know, but then he, you know, he, he kind of, he, in his own way as well, he kind of, he didn't help matters. He was a bit of a dick to my dad as well. And right. yeah, you know, so my dad's, it's only in, in the last few years that I've realised the shit that my dad's been through that yeah. has made it, because he was a very, I've said this before loads of times, very angry man when I was a kid. He loved us and did everything he could for us. But at the same yeah. time, there was an anger underneath, you know, yeah, and now I know yeah, why. Yeah. It's a shame. It is a shame. Yeah. Do you, you ever know. get choked up thinking about your 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 own child doing the eulogy at your funeral? I uh, I get I get I <laughs> that, I yeah. I, do you know what? I've just that I've only just that's literally you've just put the seed in my head. <laughs> that's a nice little sort of um, daydream, mawkish daydream, if you ever want one. Well, I try to avoid sadness because I know I'm, it really affects right. me. I've said this before. I don't like listening to sad music if, if I can help it Jade will put sad music on all the time she loves melancholy I've got friends of mine that love it they love that feeling and they they, they embrace it whereas I if I see something sad I get affected by it for days and, it, and I can't shake it off and I don't enjoy the feeling I should really face what, it what, and just what, do what it, would an know. example of something be I mean how, how sad are we talking um, I just can't I think now just any. Just anything, really. Anything. 
remotely sad. Any like Jada watch a film and she'll be excited that there's a death in it. You know, right. she loves a bit of death. There's a bit of there's a you know like my girl that I've never seen it because I know the story and I don't yeah, want yeah. to I don't want to see it. But Jay, that's the sort of thing Jade will watch, you know, and I yeah, can't bring no, myself just, to do I, it. I, I like a bit of that. I do I agree. <laughs> I like a bit of melancholy. I like a bit of tragedy. I'll tell you what What film I watched, which I think is astonishing. I watched it again the other week. Have you seen Eighth Grade? No. It's one of uh, it's, it's somebody in your line of work who wrote and directed it, and I don't know about his comedy at all, but from this film I think he's a, a genius. He's called Bo Burnham. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And oh, he's excellent. Oh my God! This yeah. film—it's—it's it's basically. I think. I guess if she's eighth grade, she's thirteen, going on fourteen. I think that's right. Um, and it's just a girl who, you know, she's by no means a weird outsider nerd, but she's not one of the cool kids either. She's just very much in the middle, and it's just the, the a very small story really it's her going from her reaching the end of middle school and about to to go to high school and it's so beautiful and it captures so well what it is to be a teenager mm. and at the same time it's really modern you know she's she makes videos for youtube and she's sort of scrolling through social media and it's it's beautiful it's one of the great i'm a sucker for a coming of age film mm, uh, and it yeah. is one of the greatest coming of age films i've ever seen oh, um wow. but it, you know it's, it's also deeply melancholy and you know when you think about a film like that or a th film and this is a much sort of lighter film like mean girls i was thinking about the cool kids the you know the the the, the cheerleaders the kids who mm. are good at sports when when those people grown up watch the classic sort of coming of age films. Do they see themselves in the bad guys? Oh yeah, as the cool kids. Or... Do you see what I mean? Do, do you yeah. think? Oh yeah, I was the. You know, do you think I, I was the one who was awful to nerds, or do you not see yourself <laughs> reflected in that way? Because I think you know anyone like me just sees themselves in the nerds or in the geeky, uncomfortable kids. And yeah. I was wondering about the alphas. What do they see, or do they just not enjoy those films because it's so far from what their experience was? <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? I hadn't thought about that. I because yeah. I wasn't. See, I was at school and I was. And I kind of knew the cool kids and I knew the nerds. I was definitely mm. an in-betweener. Yeah. I would kind of, I kind of, and I was, you know, I was getting bullied and then I'd bully someone else. And it was because it was an all-boy school. It went on all the time. It was, it was vile. But You went to an all-boy school? I did, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So that was very masculine and very much, you, there's no way that you're crying you know, in an all-boy school in the eighties, I remember. Right, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. I never even. I never even used the toilet. I used to go for a wee, but I'd, you'd never go for number two, because you'd just get the door kicked in on you, and you'd be spat on. And so I never had a shit at school for five years, <laughs> just because of, of that brutality. I saw it. There was a kid, Christopher Linard, who had learning difficulties, and I went in there one day, and he was just getting wailed on. Everyone was just piling on him in this because he decided to have a poo at school, and I'm like, oh. It's, and I, yeah, I can't. It's so yeah. awful. Like I was yeah. telling, I was telling Sarah, who grew up in a, she she grew up actually. If you think about all those sort of classic eighties team films, Ferris Bueller, those mm. sort of films, she grew up in that neighbourhood. It's a, a an area outside of Chicago where John Hughes made all his films. Oh really? Um, so her mum and you know her mum and dad live in a very modest 
house, but this town is full of whatever your image of uh, 80s American films is. That's She's surrounded by that. And Cameron's house from Ferris Bueller is like uh... three, three streets away from where she grew up. Anyway, so so which is to say that I think that experience of school is very diff- different yeah. to like a working class <laughs> British 1980s version of school. And I yeah. was telling her, telling, I'd been out um, with a, a school friend somewhat recently before lockdown and I was telling her something he'd reminded me of which was and this is really you know it's really dark but there was a kid in our class whose mum killed his dad oh wow and and went back to in our year not making my mm. class but in my year so in other words like reading between the lines it was domestic violence and she'd, she'd done it in self defense and mm. i can't remember quite what became of her but there was a kid in our year who you know went away for a while and then came back and that was the circumstance that led to it his mother had killed his father wow when he came back from that day onwards his nickname was crime watch oh my god <laughs> oh my god <laughs> but just you oh. describing that sort of experience of get if you dared to go to the toilet you'd get spat on i mean yeah. that 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 sort of brutality <laughs> it's exactly how it was it's good, yeah. and I, I wonder if it's just the same now i wonder if you know that that experience isn't that different if we if we talk to like a 14 year old or if they have suddenly become sensitive i don't know well i think they have i mean my lads my lads are 23 and 28 right and i remember i remember watching something years and years ago when they were younger and i remember it was someone on the television very and they were very flamboyant sort of very sort of liberace kind of thing so this would have been this would have been, it was back in the 90s late 90s and i remember watching it and I, and they came on and i went oh look at him and I remember my oldest going, "Oh, Dad," and I'm like, "What?" He went, "Do that. Why are you doing that?" And he and he, right. and, he picked, and he pulled me up on it. Yeah. So I think they are they are more aware that, than they were great. when we were and, kids. And it's yeah, and and I love you know I love any this sort of sounds counterintuitive. In a way, I love any story which involves me or, or somebody my my age being dragged out of the dark ages. Yeah. Because I think there can be a tendency to pretend that we were all as switched on to other people's plights as as we yeah. are now but we we learned it you know there were some yeah. terrible terrible things i'm sure that i've said in my younger oh, days we all have, not yeah. to say like i was ever in the national front or anything <laughs> but like my my attitudes towards things have evolved through hearing other people's stories not through people going you know, yelling at me about my opinions, but by just hearing what life is like f- for other people, mm. and then thinking, oh yeah, that's that's you know that's that's recontextualized it for me. Now I understand that you know that language isn't appropriate, or if somebody heard that, they might feel like feel like this, and you know, yeah. all all that stuff. And I hope that when I'm on when when we revisit this interview uh you know for the thousandth episode when you're 75 <laughs> or whatever like i i hope there are things that i say and think today that i wince at because the world has moved on and i've world moved on with it yeah and i've got a little bit of a beam upon it about people pretending that their attitudes were exactly as perfect yeah. 10 20 30 years ago as as they are today 
Yeah, they um, just were. It just you, you weren't. They just you like you say. We've all yeah. said and done things that. Yeah, you think back now. You go, Oof. Oh yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah. great because it means things are getting better, and we're listening to each other more. And you know, by listening to each other more, we're we're learning some empathy, and and the, you know, think things are slowly mm. getting better and i know you look at the news and think actually things haven't got that much better and you know there's a there's a truth in that as well but i just really think it is an example um i used to have a, i have a friend who was my producer radio show, radio show for a while called nelson mm. um who's a black londoner and there was this one night where we were going somewhere and we were short on time so i said oh we just hail a cab standing on the corner of brewer street in soho and he stood there with his arm out and three cabs with their lights on just go past him. Right. I'm like, what's going yeah. on? He says, oh, that happens all the time. Oh, so God. Not occurred to, not occurred to me that life is like that because as far as I'm concerned, you know, we're living in uh, London. I'm not saying that I was uh, naive enough to think that racism was a thing of the past, but I'm thinking anybody kind of living a life similar to mine, they're not really encountering it. And that just really brought it home mm. to me. Um, yeah, you know what we we we've now come to understand that term white privilege yes. a lot better. But I, you know, it just just hadn't occurred to me. No, well, I remember walking into a walking into a green room and there were there was uh, his name's uh, Special P uh, Peter. His name is, and he was in the green room. And I and Gavin Ford as well. Um, it's not Gavin Ford. His name's Kane Brown. Shit, <laughs> his stage name's Kane Brown. But they're very they're very fit, athletic type dudes. I remember walking into the green room and they were, they were kind of, the, the, the talk of getting fit came up. And I, and I made a comment about, well, yeah, well, your genetics are better than mine anyway. And they sort of looked at me like, really? That's, really? That's what you're going to say? Right. And I didn't think about it. I just walked off yeah. and it was later on. I went, oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. I, wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't being, I just, it was something that had been told to me and I thought it was yeah. it just, at the time it was like, well, probably, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it wasn't until later when I go, what ridiculous, what ridiculous thing to think, you know. And it's things and then, like that. I think, you know, I think back. I go, oh god, definitely. And and you only sort of, if if you're moving through the world in a certain way, and you're only really encountering a certain type of person, you're not getting a, a sense of what life is like for other people. And it's no. moments like that which can just just change things for you. It's it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's being but that, that just goes to show that you're open to it, aren't you? You're like I was thinking about this earlier. There's 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 when I was growing up, certain things got said if you saw a black person. Especially if right. you saw a black person in a flash car. It was always yeah. a derogatory thing. It was like, oh, I wonder what they've been up to to get that. Yeah, you know, yeah, it was yeah, yeah. you know that sort of thing. And it's only so you go, yeah, racism is taught. Definitely, it's a taught thing. You don't grow up yeah. that way. Yeah, so it's yeah. So but if it you was can, so you know, prevalent. It in, was yeah. So you know, obviously, it's it's heinous if anybody actively holds those views, but. Yeah. I, I also think that we're products of the time we're living in and products of the culture we're living in and, and it's it's just ignorance with yeah. a lot of people and you've gotta you gotta to listen to other people's stories and life experiences and that, yeah. that's what changes it for you. Well even Simon Pegg said in his book, you know, they used to do um the Lenny Henry, the black voice in school. Oh when, yeah. You know, you remember that in our decondensed milk and whatever else he was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that was yeah. 
Oh, it's only, yeah, it's only, I, found, I found myself singing the Vitalite advert to my son in, in, in an accent that I wouldn't want heard outside of the house. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh, God, gotta, gotta stop that. Yeah, that. <laughs> well, um, Bongo was everywhere, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you go, oh, shit. I'm glad, like you say, we're like we've said, we're, yeah. we're open to the we're not we're not those people so we're open we go oh, if someone goes yeah you what are you saying that for that's not what you're supposed to and you go oh shit yeah sorry it's not because we we're full of hate we just don't realize no but i think yeah. I, I, do, I do think everyone or almost everyone is open like um there's that michelle obama saying it's like it's hard to hate up close i think if you mm. can be in a position where you really can hear what life is like for somebody it's yeah. i think it's difficult to hold that kind of prejudice and i, th I think you know racism injustice th these things should be called out and it shouldn't be on a minority's shoulders to explain what life is like to um, uh, yeah you know to to an ignorant person or or you know somebody who holds a prejudice but i think that's that's what moves stuff along isn't it yeah really. yeah and like you say and, and not waiting for things to happen you kind of you seek out information this yeah. the thing at the moment about educating yourself and yeah um and it, yeah I, I it hadn't even occurred to me until very recently to kind of go looking for yeah the information i was waiting for it to come to be flagged up and then someone goes well these are the books you're supposed to be reading and you go all right i'll go and read them then and but now like i do with music you kind of go like you know you listen say you listen to hip-hop and they go oh well that's a sample from that album and that person you go oh so you go in and then you find out about herbie hancock yeah you follow you the trail yeah, yeah yeah and that's what you should be doing with the literature you should be yeah you know, i'll tell you what I'm, I'm taking from this conversation rich go on. i'm taking that you and i are great white people we are great white people. We're just what we're an just album. So great. We're very open. We're willing to look at our own lives. Yeah, if, if you want me to slap you on the back, I'm willing to do that. You know, I'd really love a pat on the back from you. I mean, I think we are just proving to the listeners. Oh my God, we like the moral high ground that we're occupying. It's the view from up here is great, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful? Rarefied yeah. air. <laughs> I think I'm going to change the notice. He's saying in the virtue signalling. <laughs> See, we've done it again. We get, we get, we get a bit ahead of ourselves, and then we go, yeah. "Oh no, we need, let's slap ourselves down." Yeah, yeah. But it's it's nice to have these conversations with to, to, with someone who's you know roughly my age and and talking about you know, similar experiences and 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 know it like because it's all very it's very easy to look back at those times going and say everybody was racist. Everybody yeah. was sexist and everybody was homophobic and and it wasn't the case. I think everyone's everybody's been trying to find a you know, there is a lot of love from people as well. Yeah. You know, and it's it's you know, and it's it, yeah, I think about I I try not to think about shit I've done in the past because I'm like, why am I there's no point. I can't do anything about it. You know, no. I'm just I'm just lugging it around. There was a kid in our school, the story went round that they used to go to this house and this guy used to have this house and they used to go and hang out in this house and he'd done something sexual to the guy and so he got he got so much shit at school I gave him shit everyone gave him yeah. shit and then you think about it you go he was abused by this fucking guy yeah, yeah, and yeah, we yeah. just gave him and I think about him every day there's always a moment when I go fucking you know and it but I don't know I can't, I can't do anything about it now no and yeah 
you know, you've, that, that's that's not how you think now, is it? I mean, that's no, you, no, the, God, the, no. The, 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 I'm not saying it makes things better for no. like it's seeing that you you know you're more evolved as a person, more open and thoughtful as a person than you mm. than you were because you know if you you're prone to any kind of anxiety, I think that's something you live with, isn't it? You're just going yeah. about your door your day normally and all of a sudden you get a crippling memory of something you blurted mm. out in 1986 <laughs> or something like oh god why did i stay yeah. that that shop assistant you know oh so, i know yeah yeah, yeah. I, I know bill burr has got a bit about that he said you know he'd be in the shower and he'll just be hit with this memory and he's like oh god and his wife's <laughs> like he's like she's like are you okay and he's like yeah yeah just the shower's a bit hot she's like every day <laughs> 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 it just, but you know, I'm, I'm trying to. I, I still fuck up. I still make mistakes. I'm trying. I'm still yeah. trying. You know. Yeah, that's good though. You know, I yeah. just don't don't trust people who say they've got that because there's always more that you can be fixing, isn't there? Exactly. But like you say, the people that pro- that profess to have that, that they came out of the womb and were just totally woke, mm. totally mm. on a level. They've never said anything offensive ever in their ever in their lives. They've never upset a soul. Yeah. Yeah, like, come on, man. What are you an alien? Come on. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I like this. I like the like hearing that you've you're emotional. It makes me feel better knowing I'm not the only one that cries at car adverts. <laughs> There's a I don't know. Oh, God. I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm pathetic. Sarah, <laughs> I can't remember what I said the other day, but Sarah thought I was about to burst out. I'd said something completely innocuous, like, you know, um, but I think we've taken our kid to a playground. I'm going, God, isn't this playground great? And she she swears that she heard me get choked up, as I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what, going back to what you were saying about your kids reading your eulogy, yeah. what really made me sad recently is my, my nan is now in a home. She's 91. And she's she's all she's more or less there in her head, but she's now and again she'll disappear. But I was sat in her room, and all she's got are the, she's got the bare minimum. She's got very she's got a couple of pictures. She's got a couple of bits of bric-a-brac, a couple of items of clothing, and I'm like, wow, 91 years it's been whittled down to this. Mm. And I look around my flat at the stuff I've got. I'm like, fuck me, where is this going to go? <laughs> yeah, I used to live on. Um... Portobello Road in London and I used nice. to go past on a Saturday, you know, the, the antiques markets and you, you would see boxes, which were basically somebody had done a house clearance and mm. as part of that house clearance were all the photos from somebody's life and you just see like oh. these boxes of everything that had ever been documented in yeah. someone's life just sat there and you can buy them for 30p oh. or postcards or whatever it is and just I mean there's a real you know, uh, you you can really get into some nihilism if you're not careful about thinking yes. about the the value of a life, and you just think <laughs> about a few bin bags full of stuff, and then somebody <laughs> rifling through your photos because oh look at them, they they, they look so retro. Look at the haircuts. I mean, oh, I know. You're just going to you're going to yeah. become a trendy photo on a kitchen floor on a kitchen yeah, wall. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. An album <laughs> cover if you're lucky. I, I, it, yeah. To, yeah, I mean, I, I said to like my son is four, and I could not be more obsessed with him like i'm mm. just he is like a tap that i can turn on and feel joy at any time and i just love spending time with him and i'm I'm lucky that you know i, I sort of do a minimum of 50 percent, sometimes more depending on how, how busy sarah is and i i just love him and we were lying in bed the other night sarah and i and said oh god i just, I just want to go and look at him i love him so much and she said oh, no. and then i said god and just think i mean how many years 15 and then 
you know, you'll move out and then maybe you'll come and see us once a week. But oh. He won't really want to, but you'll feel obliged, yeah. obliged to. Maybe like he'll call once, maybe he'll move to another city and call once on a Sunday and there'll be all these things about me which are just inherently embarrassing or annoying to him. And it's, oh. just, it's just the fate, isn't it? It's the, the fate. <laughs> and these years, like one to four or yeah, one to five or whatever it is, he won't yeah. really remember any of it. And I, like the most intense emotional experiences of my life, life have been experienced in these years and oh. only i will remember here oh they, and they, oh, they rock it by as well i mean i still remember i still remember my my eldest i still remember putting him in his baby growing and him puking all over me and that seems like yesterday and now mm. he's now he's 28 he's 29 he's getting married and and now he yeah and like my youngest is just oh but god answer, we're gonna set this. each other up <laughs> answer me this like so if like something I can set myself off by thinking about is, oh, there's there's going to be a last time when he comes and gets in my bed in the morning and we have a little cuddle and we watch a cartoon. Oh, yeah. There's going to be a time of like, but you, you never know when that time is coming. No. So there was a last time like I put him in his pram. I didn't know it was going to be the last time. And then all of a sudden he was walking everywhere again on his bike or his scooter. So, so that's now a thing of the past. And there was no sort of sense of ceremony. And now we are moving from this phase into mm. this phase. And so... I mean, do you, do you want to go in and look at your twenty eight year old <laughs> sleeping at night? I mean, <laughs> like, would you love it? Would you love it if they just treated you to one last bath with you? <laughs> Two grown men, yeah. Just sat. <laughs> I remember, I yeah, it, it it kind of. I just remember because the the mother of my children and I we broke up. Uh, we broke up. Um, well, so we got together in '91, and then we broke up in '93. And we had we had him. Like, he he was born uh, nine months after we met. It was like it was like that. Yeah. And and then we spent the '90s getting back together, and, and we finally broke up 2000 for the final time. And and they'd come to me at weekends. Every weekend they came to me, and it was without fail, and they, it was lovely. And then one day I remember when they went, oh, "I'm busy." I'm going. I'm going out, oh, and it was. I was oh, like, oh, okay. The rejection. Yeah, yeah. And now it's even now. I've, I've, I, I speak. My, my eldest lives in Bristol, and yeah. I'll, and I'll speak to him. I go. I feel bad. I haven't seen you. And he's like, I'm busy, Dad. I've got yeah. uh, things to do. You know, they've got lives now, and it's a really weird feeling. <sighs> and so it, I, can, <laughs> I, I can tell if my son, who I say is now four and a half, like if he needs a poo, I can tell from his face. Can can you tell the same about your grown up kids? <laughs> I what I, I, it's it's my I mean my eldest has got a beard a long well they both got beards and right, I look at right. them and they're like they're men and they're both six one six two they're massive yeah but now when 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 they're really feeling when something's troubling them you, they're little boys again and I yeah. can tell and it well it takes me a lot to get it out my eldest is more sensitive than my youngest but. I can tell when there's something bothering them, and I'm like, "You can come and talk to me." You know, I'm yeah. not. What's what's going on? I can feel something, and then they will. They will tell me. So, uh, I mean, my my eldest son shits like a horse. I, so that's how I can tell. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with his insides, but I've never smelled anything like it. It's like, oh my god, yeah, it's like yeah. burnt burnt stuff in oil and petrol, and it's. It's indescribable. <laughs> he lived with me for a couple of years when I was when he was at dance school, dance school, and I I don't know what he eats. I think he eats tar. 
It's not cool. <laughs> so I don't want to know when he has a shit, when he needs a shit. pride about his bowel movements. <laughs> I'm going to so keep my, my, one. I'm going to keep so, one. <laughs> so I mean, I, I'm very prolific, prolific of bowel. And uh, my son did this shit the other day where it rose up, ab- rose up above the water level like the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> and I, was so, I felt like in some way it was an achievement for me I, just... I, I will do these um like especially i don't know if it's something to do with you know slight variations of what you're eating but when i was courting sarah and i'd go over to the states a lot i'd do these tremendous shits and they were so impressive <laughs> impressive that i would feel the need to photograph them and <laughs> And to like either show them to her or, or send them to oh a my God. group of friends. There was this one that, yeah, I, I, I'll send it to you if you like. I've still got it in my I'm phone. Gonna... That we called the brown swan. It rose what? up vertically out of the, it was like a swan's neck protruding out of the water by, I don't know, 10, 15 centimetres or something. How the fuck really, did you do that? I have no idea. It's like no balloon idea. animals, but with shit. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well done. You've got Thank a skill. You. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell you what, what, I discovered it. I tell you what was impressive was when I didn't, I didn't know uh, my eldest was in the bath, and I went in the bathroom, and he was there, and I've gone in, and oh shit, sorry, mate, and he's like, yeah, dad, get out, and but I managed, I didn't manage, I accidentally saw what he was packing <laughs> and it's quite the beast <laughs> and I walked out and I was like fucking yeah there was a sense of pride I'm like I made that I made a decent <laughs> penis <laughs> oh I've got my fears <laughs> so you find <laughs> well you find joy in ways in different ways you'll find yeah. you'll find a way but yeah. um, this has been lovely Jeff thank you so much for your patience and coming on no, it's, it's been good, really it's good been really nice you, you know, mate. it's been lovely yeah. You're a nice man. It's been, and it, I am I, nice, aren't I? You are a nice man, and it, <laughs> and again, like I say, it's surreal knowing you, having having listened to you for years. It's weird that I know like your name's in my phone. It's odd, little little things like that. Right? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. go, I've, I've I had go. That with people yeah. before. Have you? <laughs> yeah. No, no. There's a guy called um, James H. Reeve who, when I was a teenager, I used to be, you know, obsessed with, like, listened to mm. in, in Manchester. He used to do the late-night call-in show, and he was, you know, not like one of these kind of right-wings, string them up, send them back type. Yeah. He was, he was very slow and thoughtful and sarcastic, and Frank Sidebottom used to do sketches on his show, oh, wow. and, it was, you know, it's it slightly offbeat. And really, I think it was listening to him that made me that fall in love with radio and doing radio. And mm. then I, I got to know him a little bit in later life through working at the local station in Manchester, Piccadilly. And it, it was always weird to me that, you know, that I could have a conversation with him that wasn't yeah. me writing into his radio show or phoning up his, his radio funny, show. It? It, is, it is. I do think like audio, there's something about it where, I don't know, it, it, it you know, the, the the people who are lucky enough to have a long career out of it you can't do it without it really showing the listeners who you are and you you feel some kind of connection with them you you do feel yeah. like you know them yeah, yeah definitely it's funny yeah like especially with this i actually say to people look if you're if you're struggling or you're feeling just you can drop me a line i'll have a chat with you and i've had other people say mate you're opening yourself up a bit there and i'm like yeah, yeah but i'm not telling them to come around my house yeah, I'm yeah, happy. Yeah. I'm quite, especially the way things are now with social media. I'm quite happy to to chat away and 
you know, and, and reply to messages and have and, and and you know have a conversation. If it gets too weird, then I'll kind of got to back off a bit. And that's only yeah. happened once, but I've kind of gone, yeah, actually. Yeah. When they started saying, oh, can I send you something? Oh, can I come around your house? Oh, do you want to meet up for a drink? And you go, oh, okay, hang on. Yeah. 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 That's, funny, that's not it? to say if you like bumped into that person in the pub and they started chatting to you, you wouldn't enjoy having a drink. With no, them. God, no. Yeah. 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 No, God, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there's a couple of, there's someone else and, and she, she said, yeah, if you find yourself in town, come and have a cup of tea. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Oh, do you know what? Yeah. I will. It's so, yeah, it's nice. I quite like it. You know, yeah. I like people. So, yeah. So I, I always think I like, I really love the idea of people, but I'm never, I'm never great when I'm amongst them. It's, I think we worry too much about how we're perceived. Yeah. It's yeah. like you said, you, you worry that people and most people don't, aren't noticing what we're doing. They're all they're sort of all wrapped up in their own stuff. I remember talking to a comedian, Matt Price, and I said to him, I said, I worry that every time I walk away from someone after I've spoken to them, they're thinking, he's a fucking wanker. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And Absolutely. he went Absolutely. and he said, and he said, that's quite arrogant, Rich, that you think they're still thinking about you after they've wandered, <laughs> after you've wandered off. I can't oh, remember. Yeah. I'm, I'm quite obsessed with Jerry Seinfeld. And yeah. I can't remember who I heard him talking to. Probably Howard Stern. There's some great sort of Howard Stern, Jerry Seinfeld interviews. He's like saying, who are these people who, when they're at dinner with a bunch of people and they're telling some story, they haven't got a voice in the head saying, how's this story going down? How is it landing? You know? <laughs> yeah. But I do think there's a whole bunch of people who just, you know, they say what's in the head and then yep. somebody else's turn to speak. Whereas I think if you've got that external eye thinking, is this this going down all right? Are people finding me interested? <laughs> oh god, that, that anecdote wasn't a good one. You know, oh, I've, I constant self commentary. Uh, I do it all the time. I'll find myself halfway, uh, and I do it for a living. That's what I do. And but yeah. halfway through, as I'm talking to somebody, I'm like, this story has no end. <laughs> I don't think it's even connected to what we were talking about. <laughs> this Do you is find a, in, uh... in your relationship with Jack? So there's there, there are a number of times um, where Sarah will, I, I will either say something really boring, or or Sarah will tell me a story that's you know so dull that one or the other of us will say you know she'll either say oh you should say that on your podcast or I'll say oh, you should you should make an edinburgh show out, out of that and it's because there's something about uh, you know the current situation and you know we're coming out of it now a bit but these past few months where you're cooped up and any little thing that is in your head yeah. spills out stuff that yeah. usually wouldn't be worth saying usually you've got you're able to release the pressure at least by seeing other people and talking to other people and now we're in the situation where we're together almost yeah. 24 hours a day and just any little brain <laughs> fart comes out as a nugget of conversation no matter how <laughs> dull or not we normally say it's either cool story bro uh, yeah, 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 or, yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Or we'll say, uh, oh, I wouldn't open with it. Um, <laughs> or the other one, yeah, that's a, that's a popular one. Or the other one is, yeah. uh, is uh, as you finish saying what you're saying, you go, uh, and other interesting things I should have ever, I shouldn't have ever said out loud. <laughs> it's just like, just yeah. Oh, the other day I had my first gig, my first gig outside in, in behind this uh, this restaurant, and I suddenly realised that I I hadn't looked at or listened or done my material in months. Right. So I couldn't remember any of it. And I'm just talking. And most of it was just garbage. I just, there was no punchlines. I'm just, you know, just talking about lockdown. I'm like, and and yeah. all the other comics that had been on previously had talked about lockdown. 
And it, yeah, oh, I, yeah, I just yeah, yeah, anxiety yeah. here in here in this story. <laughs> I just yeah, I was just talking utter shit, and I just came away going, I wish I'd not left the house. I wish I was still uh, locked down. <laughs> oh god, but, I, I could not do your job. You know, at least with radio <laughs> and podcasts, you can't see people like looking bemused and thinking. Why is he saying that? It's horrible. And I actually over. said, one of the other comics that was on, a mate of mine, Paul Peary, when he was on, I was stood with her and she was falling about. She's like, oh my God, he's a genius. He's a genius. And I'm like, yeah, he's funny. And he's funny. And then when I was on, so like towards the end of my set, I could see her, she was on her phone. And I'm like, oh God. <laughs> like it's all lit up in the, in the gloom. I'm like, oh no. But... And they're driving back. I was dropping him off, and uh, and and he and I'm like, ah, oh, he went, mate. He goes, that was great. I'm like, oh, I didn't feel great. I could have done better, this better, that better. And that woman, she was on a phone anyway. And then he looked at his phone, and he went, yeah, she's just sent us a friend request on Facebook, and she's just said how much she. So she was messaging me, right, while I was on, and right. I just took it negatively. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I would, I would do that. <laughs> and any sort of confirmation. That I am a terrible, dull wanker. That that's what I'm looking for in any given interaction. Yeah, yeah. That's I, I never, yeah. I'm never thinking. Yeah, they think I'm an absolute legend. I'm always <laughs> like, ah, oh, why am I alive? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but we'll get we'll get through it, Jeff. We'll be all you right. Think so we're yeah, about halfway, we'll be half, at least halfway, aren't we? We're halfway through, mate. Nearly yeah. done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when, I tell you, what, when this is done, when we can, we, well, we actually we can now. We should meet up. We'll have a coffee. Yeah, we can, love we that. can we can make ourselves feel sad. We can get to Lizzie's on the green. Oh, lovely. Yeah, all right, let's do that. Yeah. Yes, let's do that. That'd be great. Uh, where can we find you, Jeff? Online and everything. Uh, you can, you know, find me on Twitter. I find that Twitter is something that just makes me feel bad about myself. I look at other people's follower numbers. I look at mine. I think, why do I bother? I should probably delete <laughs> I've not, it. I've, but... Yeah, <laughs> I've had a couple of days off of Twitter and it felt nice. Yeah, yeah, I did, I did the same good. thing, you know, I think yeah. a few of us did, didn't we? But yeah, we did, I yeah. agree. I've, I've, actually, when I went on holiday last year, I deleted Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, the news and email off my phone. And I just felt great wow. for having do, done so. And then yeah. um, crept back in. But yeah, I'm on, on Twitter. Uh, there's two podcasts. There's the one I do with Annabelle, which is called Adrift, which is sort of stories of social awkwardness from us and yeah. from our listeners. And then there's Reasons to be Cheerful, which is me and Ed Miliband trying to seek out the good ideas to make the world a better place, which was born out of um, you know, feeling terribly depressed about the state of things and looking to be a bit Pollyanna-ish. But actually, I mean, it's, it's, it's brilliant. Every week we hear from somebody who is is either campaigning to do something interesting or they're doing something interesting somewhere in the world and uh, like anything you can think of there are smart people thinking of uh, clever clever solutions lovely there are we that's the thing we should trust that there, i mean pierre novelli said it on this he goes there are people out there looking into this whatever it yeah. is they're, they're looking into it so you just take a take a seat let them worry about it. They're the experts. You you go and you go and walk around the park with your kids. Yeah. Well, they, them... as, as Gandhi once said, let someone else be the change you want to see in the world. <laughs> and on that, what a wonderful way to finish. Thank you, Jeff. Cheers, Rich. Produced by Paul Daniels at pauldaniels.tv. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Made by DarkHorseDigital.co.uk Shooting, live streaming and podcast production.